Hi, my name is Thomas Johnson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit Wellness Concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor and investor, and you're listening to the How May I Serve You podcast, where I'm constantly on the quest to surround myself with the best coaches while learning how to better serve our executive clientele by asking them, how may I serve you? Today's show is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. And Get Up and Get Fit will be providing students with textbooks and school supplies in Cambodia in honor of our guests today, as well as our philanthropic mission to impact at least 50,000 people per year. And today's guest is Mark W. Helpert. Mark, welcome. Thank you so much, Thomas. It's been a while since we started talking about this. I'm glad we could do it today. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, Mark W. Helpert is a global LinkedIn evangelist. He's a trainer that teaches sales and HR departments, professional services firms, and business pros. He's also a personal coach that coaches his clients to learn to recount how their past success reinforces who they are today and where they can take clients in the future. He's a LinkedIn self-branding thought leader, podcast guest, has two books published, scores of articles, and over 2,400 blog posts appearing every business day. Wow. Mark W. (laughs) Helper. That's awesome right there. So you're definitely a busy guy. I don't sit still for a minute. It's like I got lots to say. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, Mark, let's just dive right into it, man. Um, normally, I like to start off by asking, you know, who you are. Like, give us the too many version of who is Mark W. Helper. Like, talk to us. All right. Well, fine. I started as a corporate finance guy. I've endured too many years in corporate America. Company was bought and sold. And I was so happy to be out of it. And I have continued on as now 23 years on my own. First few years, I was doing something else. I morphed that into something else. After that, I operate three businesses simultaneously. My favorite is my LinkedIn coaching. My favorite aspect of getting to know people all over the world and helping them get out there under themselves and express why they do what they do in a way that will make them amazinger than the competition. Amazinger is my word. Got it. Awesome. So, Mark, where are you from? Like, give us the origin story. Like, uh, um, are you from New York, like I am from, or are you elsewhere? Talk to us. I am from Richmond, Virginia. And I started there. I kept moving north. I now live outside of New York City. To me, there is no better place than to be outside the Big Apple and have all the great cultural aspects available to me whenever I want them, and not because I have to have them. So it's awesome. great. It's okay. So let's talk a little bit about your childhood, right? Because, you know, <laughs> sometimes we don't get the chance to reflect on where we came from. And sometimes in order for you to understand who you are as a person, it's always good to reflect on your childhood and then go along the lines of, you know, reflecting on the other memories in between. So growing up in VA, how was it? Did you grow up with siblings? Um, like, talk to us. Let us dive into your childhood. Okay. I have two brothers. Uh, they still live down there. I just left a while ago after college. Uh, I was a kid on all my mark, all my report cards 
every marking period, it said Mark talks too much, Mark talks out of turn, Mark should listen more. It's the makings of an entrepreneur. Because if entrepreneurs don't talk about themselves, no one else will. So I was, I was born, it's in my DNA. My father was an entrepreneur. And we came from a very noisy family. And I kept going. Uh, and so my goal in life is to get people to be able to talk about themselves. Because mm. we were all, most of us were all taught about sitting quietly, absorbing, not demonstrating, being very quiet, learning, and then regurgitating it onto a test. That's not experience. You have to be out there advocating for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Being an executive can be very demanding. Your schedule is unpredictable. You have conflicting responsibilities that pull you in multiple directions at once. You travel too much, work late hours, and cross time zones. All things that wreak havoc on your body. This is why having a wellness support team is necessary. Get Up and Get Fit is the wellness concierge support that busy executives, entrepreneurs, and celebs rely on to keep them healthy and fit despite their hectic schedules. A body under prolonged stress is not a healthy body. Time to reduce your stress. Increase your energy, flexibility, strength, and endurance so you can enjoy life instead of just living it. Go to getupandgetfit.com. That's G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T dot com. And schedule your consultation right now. Get up and get fit. It's a lifestyle. So I know most people grow up um, in a household where they're not allowed to talk about um, business at the table, <laughs> finance, or religion. As an entrepreneur, I, I know you probably broke broke that a uh, typical household rule, right? Like, talk to us. Man. What what, what went down night. doing a dining ta- dining room table? What went down? Every night. I remember one time my father went to a conference, and he came back and he got the Agitator of the Year award. It was this agitator <laughs> from a washing machine that had been spray painted silver. And he was so proud of it. And I was, I was shocked. I, I, I thought it was embarrassing that he was an agitator. It's only now that I'm about that age as he was right then that I realized that that's a huge honor. That if you are honored by your peers for agitating, you are doing good. And that's a good thing to be. Mm. So my dinner table was all about the business of life. And when I decided to tell my parents I did not want to stay in Virginia, they were shocked. And I said, I just don't find it interesting here. I want to go someplace else. I want to live someplace else. I want to experience something else. And my first job out of grad school was New York City. And let me tell you, in the third largest bank in the country, what was then called Manufacturers Hanover Trust, which very few people remember anymore, I met people from all over the world with all sorts of cultural expectations about the world. We were banking countries, governments, businesses, in ways that I today I just am amazed that we were able to function because we were doing it all on paper. There was no electronics. Mm-hmm. It was all the old-fashioned way, and it was just wonderful. Okay, so great experience. Hands-on. Yeah. So it was more of a collaborative effort because everyone was. You, know, you have to communicate and collaborate in order to, um, you know, especially being like the like the banking industry. You know, you have to work together. 
um it's like analog you, you guys was focusing on the analog system right you guys didn't really have um the computers like you just mentioned so did you find um the the lessons you learned as a child and growing up help you to be a a, a good employee at that time because you was able to communicate and get your point across um effectively I, I was still a fish out of water in the bank. The bank okay. was very regimented. Um, I was a little bit more of a creative free thinker. Okay. Uh, I was on fast track. I, I, I was, the bank took very good care of me. In fact, my only and first good boss, I'm still his very dear friend. His, nice. His very good friend. I saw him a couple of nights ago. Um, th that, that was one of the best experiences. He asked me to move out to Chicago with a branch he was opening there. I was like, oh yeah, anything for you, Justin, I do for in a heartbeat. And we did. And, Still, it wasn't finding the excitement in banking, and I, you know, lending money is everybody's money is as green as everybody else's money. It's just, it's just, you know. So then I went into corporate, and it was, you know, it was like I was on the other side of the desk from yeah. people who were banking me, banking the company. I knew all the tricks. I, I had already done that, and like I said, the company was sold, and I just said, I'm out of here. I worked with too many mentally ill people. It's time. And I became the mentally ill person I worked for for 23 years, and I'm mm. having a ball. I'm loving it. So, so was that the straw that broke the camel's back when the bank was when the bank was sold? Is that what pushed you to? No, it wasn't the bank that was coaching? sold. It was several corporate jobs later. Understood. Yeah, that was it. Um, they had they had said to me, "You can stay and you can move to the Netherlands." And I said, "Yeah, Amsterdam. That sounds great." They said, "No, it's another town." And they gave me the name. And at that point, I looked it up online, and I said. <laughs> and I and my daughter was a rising senior in high school, and you know they worked so hard to get to the senior year, and that's what they're evaluated for college. Yeah, and I just couldn't take her out of that environment and make her go, you know, to a new country. So, so I opted to leave corporate, and I had been thinking about doing it for many years anyway, being totally frustrated, but still doing well. Um, and uh, decided, yeah, now it's my time. I had a business idea in mind. I ran with it. I operated, like I said, for 23 years since, since the day, first day I started my business on the two days before 9-11. And for a year, my business did nothing because we were all too busy licking our wounds and figuring out what the hell happened to this country. So um, I kept going. I kept going. I decided I am not going back to corporate. I am going to be my own person. And so all the mistakes I make, my fault. All the successes I have, my good. So I'm in charge. Okay. So you, so you pretty much take accountability of your, you know, your flaws and your wins, which, which I me mean, as an entrepreneur, um, that's very important. That's a very important trait to have, you know, being able to take accountability because you either, you either learn, right? Either, either win or you learn. There's no losing. Right. And when you stop learning, you better get out because you've either closed your mind to anything new or the industry is going to die anyway. So all this AI stuff, I'm learning. All anything new, I'm learning. And I am old enough to retire. And I decided, nope, I'm not gonna. I'm going to have a good time and go out my style. And when I'm ready, I'm going to go out. And that's when all this stuff. Amazing mindset. That's the ultimate in freedom, isn't it? In accountability <laughs> as well. To your point. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So. With your first your first company, right? The first um um the first business you had, what was it? It was electronic payments, and let's okay. go back to the year two thousand and one. It was the wild west <laughs> of online payments. It was crazy. 
took the phone, we put it in the coupler, it made a lot of loud noises, it was going through the phone lines, it was not secure, transactions were going very slowly, click, 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 click. but you know, they were working, it was going. I, I was an early pioneer in that, the company I was at last had pioneered with a bank, we had made a project of operating an online registration for a course the company was teaching. No one had ever done that. You wanted to take a course, you had to fill out a paper form and mail a paper check. No, we weren't doing that anymore. I was advocating you should do all of this electronically and the company found a way to do it. I floated over that project. I was very proud of that. So the new owners came in and I said, this is what we have. And they said, that won't last. No, no one really does that. So we're not interested in that. I said, okay, fine, I'm going with it. I know how to do it. And they said, sure, go right ahead. And that became my first business. And uh, September 11th was really important because that was the beginning of the catastrophes, the earthquakes, the tsunamis, the floods, the hurricanes, and a lot of nonprofits began to take donations electronically. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I brought that same concept to corporations and associations and online businesses and all that. This is really a, just a good place to be, right place, right time. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that, like I said, ever since. And that is a mature industry at this point. There is not a lot new out there going on. It's more defensive. It's more about protecting against the bad guys. And I've had enough bad guys come through my clients' accounts that I'm, you know, like, okay, we're pretty smart. We know what we're doing here. We've had lots of experience on that. So that's just, that's not the interest that I really love most. It was during 2007, 2008, when we really had the big tech bubble and people were beginning to move all around and people I had made all, spent all this time getting to know were moving and I couldn't keep up with them. And a friend of mine said, you've got Rolodexes on your desk. That's so archaic. And I said, you know, it's so right. He said, I heard about this thing called LinkedIn. Why don't you just join LinkedIn? And then you can find all your friends. That's a great idea. But how do you do it? So I went to a bunch of courses. I spent way too much money on people teaching me how to use LinkedIn who didn't really understand why to use LinkedIn. All they understood was where to click and how to do it. What year was this? Uh, I'm going to say 09. Okay. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to teach myself everything I can, and I'm going to teach why to use LinkedIn. And I started doing that 13 years ago. So I will tell you that um, it took a while to develop my own expertise to the level I was comfortable getting up in front of an audience and taking teaching and taking questions. You know, there's nothing scarier than not to know your subject and to take questions from the audience because you lose all credibility if you don't have that answer. And I was not about to do that. So I, I was teaching when I was ready. I've been teaching individuals and companies and, 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 and nonprofits and lawyers and accountants. I've taught Santa Claus now. I had a call in to a <laughs> Zoom uh, con- uh, session we did a few weeks ago in New Zealand in the middle of the night. And the guy says to me, I'm Santa Claus. And I said, yeah, right. You know, really, I am. I am Santa Claus in a department store in the winter. And I said, well, how can I help you? He goes, I don't know how to market myself. I said, oh, my God, now I've done everything. I'm teaching Santa Claus how to market himself. Don't you love it? <laughs> That's awesome right there. So you've definitely, definitely had your um, mixture of clientele. <laughs> well, the, the best part is to be able to tell stories. Yes, and yes, indeed. I love stories. Like I've told you the agitator of the year story and, you know, all the stories that I tell. 
These are the things that people remember. It's the oldest profession in the world. Storyteller. Mm -hmm. Relate your knowledge to people that don't have access to it. And hope it spreads. And that's what I do. I teach my clients how to tell stories using my own stories as examples. And it's empowering. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and by you sharing your own story, it gives them the opportunity and the permission to to be vulnerable, you know, because um, most people don't they don't really they don't really share until they feel that they're in this um, this place of this protective state, right? This protective state, because you're you're now able to to provide them that platform because you're sharing your story, you're being vulnerable, you you really keep it real with them. So I think that's the, the vulnerability of, of, is what yeah. all entrepreneurs live for vicariously weirdly we live for being vulnerable and testing ourselves to be able to survive in a vulnerable world you know a lot of people say you eat what you hunt you know, it's a very old concept uh all entrepreneurs have no other source of income than the successes they gain by signing clients that makes a very hungry entrepreneur and so we are vulnerable every moment you could lose a client you could lose your largest client in your portfolio and starve to death yes indeed you have to keep backfilling the funnel it's all, it's all about all right so you know i know i read your bio and you mentioned um that you work with different type of clientele right um you work with folks in hr you know you help with professional services firms and other business pros um what would you say the bulk of your clients are like who, who are they right now the bulk of my clients are people seeking employment it okay. is a very hungry market out there and it's a very noisy market i work with people who are trying to be heard amongst the noise okay and it's very hard to do that and i teach them to do it again there's that word amazing girl to be a more amazing than the nearest competition to stick in the memory bank of the interviewer, to mm -hmm. provide the interviewer all the information the interviewer needs to ask meaningful questions and not, what do you like to do? What's the silver lining of the pandemic? Tell me about yourself. Those are horrible questions that get nowhere. Give the interviewer the opportunity to delve into your background to really understand what you're about. So I work with interviewees, I work with interviewers to teach them how to read LinkedIn profiles, to find the questions to ask to make mm. it a meaningful conversation. Okay. I work with attorneys who were never taught to market themselves in law school. I, I work with people all over the world who bring in their own cultural bias to the global market. And it's been absolutely, to me, the most intellectually stimulating and challenging work I've ever done. Yeah, and you know what? What you just mentioned, um, folks that have no idea how to market themselves, that's pretty. Um, you, you see this everywhere, especially within the business world, right? When you, when folks graduate college, they're given certain tools, but there are other tools that have not been um, sharpened and applied to their their tool shed for the most part, like branding, you know, marketing. Yeah. Those yeah. two right there have been left out 
And that's the most critical part of being an entrepreneur, of being a business person. You have to know how to market and brand yourself. I didn't learn that. I had to learn that the hard way myself. After going through all my trials and errors, stumbling and, and hurdles, until I finally realized, like, I need help. And I started to hire professional coaches to help me in that department. So yeah. I, talk, talk to me about that, man. Like, come across these folks that are struggling with branding and marketing themselves. I get a lot of people who are really successful in their business mm -hmm. and they can't tell their story. I get a lot of people who don't want to tell their story because they can't give themselves permission to tell their story. And I get in their head and I try to understand what's holding them back. I listen to them talk and I begin to hear strands of themes that are coming together. Things that happened in their past that allows us to knit together a tapestry. They can't do it. They're too close to themselves. They don't see themselves as others see them. I'm a little bit outside of that. Now, they're my clients, so I have to take care of them in a nice, you know, business-like manner. But I'll say to them, nope, sorry, you can't say that, or you shouldn't say that. If you do, it's your business. It's your profile. You say what you like, but this coach is telling you not to. So I like to consider myself like a tennis coach. Absolutely anybody can hit a tennis ball on a tennis racket, unless you're very badly, not seeing anybody very well. But it's the style and the etiquette and the grace with which you play the game that makes you successful. And it's the practice that you make in the game that makes you a champion. And you can't just put up your LinkedIn profile and hope that people are going to come find it, because they're not going to come find it. You've got to put it out there. You've got to put yourself out there. You gotta tell people what you're thinking, you gotta tell people what you're seeing, you gotta tell people what you're reading, you gotta tell people what you're doing. For example, right after this is over, as soon as I have the link, I'm putting this out there on my LinkedIn profile. Just finished half hour interview with, and this is what we talked about, and it's a little different than most of my normal presentations because it's a different topic for me, and I'm comfortable with it. I hope you enjoy it, I hope you get something. Tell me what you think. End every post on LinkedIn with a call to action. Yes, Otherwise, indeed. it's a snowflake in the snowstorm. It'll be disappeared in a moment. But when people are asked to respond, they get interested enough, they get creative enough to write something back. Don't give me clapping hands and thumbs up and smiley faces. I don't want that stuff. That doesn't tell me why you enjoy or benefit from what something I say. I like the feedback to know I'm helping people give me more so I can be better for others in the future. So that's what I do. That's what I teach. And most people say, I have nothing to say. No one cares about what I say. Well, I'll give you 100 new ideas about things you can tell about your story if you go to my blog and you read a serialized set of blog posts I did last week. 25 in each of them, four times that week. 100 ideas for you to put a post out there. Tell your story. I didn't come up with all 100 of them. Someone else didn't. I just ripped off of them. <laughs> but it's knowing how to apply other people's material that you're reading and making it your own and your value your with your value. Mm -hmm. And that's where you add interest, value, yeah, value, brand, brand, brand yourself. You're a box of cereal on the cereal aisle. What makes you look different? Everything inside the box is the same old stuff, basically. It's sweet. It's, it's made of some sort of flour, and it's small, all right? But the box is different. 
make the exterior, the brand of yourself, different enough for someone picks the box off the shelf, reads the box because they're attracted by something, wants to try the box, takes it home, then they become a repeat client. And do you get the majority of your clients through your, your blogging? Because I, I, I mentioned that you you pretty much write articles and blogs every day, right? You, I do a blog every to... business day, exactly. Mm-hmm. My clientele comes from word of mouth. That's word of mouth. The best compliment I can ever get. Okay, okay. Awesome. I have finished yesterday. We had a very good four sessions. I really enjoyed working with him. It was quite challenging. He really went above and beyond. He, was, he came to me through a mutual friend who I worked with. He, that middle guy came from a mutual friend I worked with. It keeps coming. I have one woman in New York City who sent me. We're down to the sixth generation of new referrals. Okay. Okay. So when people come to you initially, right? Um, why do you find they come to you initially? Because of course, once 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 they're they're with you, you're able to dig deeper um, as a coach. You're able to ask the right question. But initially, when they come to you or when they refer to you, what's the reason for coming to you? They tell me I'm direct and to the point. They tell me that I say it like it is, and they need to learn to do that as well. I'm fair. I'd like to think I'm fair. I like to think I'm telling them what they need to do now. If they don't want to do it, like I said, I tell them, okay, your profile. But I will tell you, this is what you should be doing. That's my experience. Too. And many of these job seekers of companies find a job quickly because they're saying things that they're comfortable with that other people are looking for. There's nothing better for me than to hear that somebody got a job because they said something in their LinkedIn profile that got the interest of the interviewer got them the interview and they did it from there got it got it okay but mark i'm asking when people come to you initially um before they before they even get to know you right when they're mm-hmm. coming to you like why are they coming to you the, 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 their they reason were referred. They, they, were they were referred, referred. they were referred from a good experience someone else had you need to talk to mark because i had a good experience they say to that person okay. not everybody is right for me no i'm not right for everybody there are a thousand LinkedIn coaches all over the world. Literally, there are a thousand of us all over the world doing the same thing. It's the art and not the science. It's the difference I bring to teaching them how to do their profile. Okay. They hear me say things that they haven't heard from competitors. So if someone were looking for a coach, what traits would you advise for them to look for? If you're looking for a LinkedIn coach, is the best thing I can answer is putting the LinkedIn adjective in front of your question, you want to look for somebody who is going to be consultative yet firm with you. So if you go off on a tangent, they bring you back. If you don't do the work you're supposed to, they're going to push you hard and say, like any coach would, take another run around the track. You're not ready. Go out there and sweat like crazy. Work hard. Harder. That's what I do. That's why people tell me they enjoyed working with me. It's intense. I'm introspective. I listen to them. I interpret based upon what they're saying, based upon what I've done in my experience. It's been a lot of years that I've been doing this. Most people come to at the end, they say, this has been an earth-changing experience. Literally, those are the words they have. 
And I'm so thrilled to hear that because I've made a difference in their world. So is that what drives you? What drives me? Yeah, it drives me. It drives me to be able to take a cacophony, shall we say, of ideas and bring them into a symphony. It drives me to know that people are smiling at the end, so they looked like deer in the headlights when they came in. And it drives me to know that we took all those crazy threads and we wove a beautiful tapestry, which they can now use as the basis of their interviewing and everything else they need to do for the rest of their career life. Because LinkedIn is not about writing it once. It's about tweaking it every time you change and more. And we're all changing so fast. Got it. Got it. Okay. So are you currently working on any new projects or do you have any new books um, that you could share with us? Somebody suggested I take all my pod, uh, my blog posts and create a book out of them. Nice. <laughs> okay. Then someone else suggested I do this and make it into a graphic novel. Mm. That's interesting. That's that is interesting. <laughs> no, I don't know anybody who's done that. So I may start working on that sometime next year. I don't know. I am looking for an artificial intelligence platform that allows my writing to be converted to cartoon characters and graphics, like comic strip characters. Yeah, that'd be pretty, that'd be pretty I've cool. Asked, no one knows. Hey, if anybody's listening and you know, let me know how you can do that because I can't find it. I don't want to hire an artist. The thing about writing a book is you never get rich writing a book unless you name Stephen King. My name is not Stephen King. I write because I want to impart information and knowledge, and I okay. to do that. But this thing with the the graphic novel just really like has me tingling. I, I, I'm trying the to figure out how to do it, and I think yeah. it would be just so different, so unusual. You know, I mean, I, I've seen uh, a few, um, a few like graphic, a graphic, um, you know, storytelling. Um, it, yeah. it, it, it really captures your attention, you know? So. Yeah, and it's fun. You pick it up, you turn a page, and then it's done, you know, and you put it down. My blogs are short, and they're sweet, yeah. you know, they're done. So, you know, it's like the type of thing you put out on your coffee table. You've got five minutes while you wave or something. And, you know, you read about three of them, four of them, and then you put it down and go back to the, some other time. I think this, I don't know that there's a market for this. I've never tested it, but that doesn't mean I can't do it and can't have it, fun doing it. So you that's go. why, I'm, you know, I don't want to hire anybody to do it for me because there's no real return on investment but i will you may hear from me about that we'll see okay. where that goes <laughs> yeah I, i'm pretty sure you, you could probably find you know a nice graphic designer from like a a fiverr or you know one of these other you know um contractor sites just to test it out you know test it out put it out there and see how, how it um how the market you know uh responds you know what's pushing me off is that I have to go through twenty four hundred blog posts to find <laughs> the top two hundred. I mean, that, that's a giant job. I don't yeah, know that I want to read twenty four hundred yeah, of my own blog posts. <laughs> but anyway, my yeah. my own my biggest problem that should be my biggest problem. Right? <laughs> there you go. So, um, if someone were to inquire about your services or just want to connect with you, where can they go to find you? All right, we'll go to LinkedIn, obviously. LinkedIn.com slash in slash Mark Halpert, M-A-R-C-H-A-L-P-E-R-T. No W in the middle on that. Um, don't try to connect with me on LinkedIn unless I know you or we have the we've had the opportunity to discuss how I can do business with you. I don't connect to everybody that comes knocking on my door. I don't let anybody into my house that comes knocking on my door. That's my choice. It's not designed to be rude. It's designed to be practical. I get people 
people after every session who want a piece of me and there's not enough pieces of me to go around. If you want to do business, then we've got something else to talk about. We'll Zoom and we'll figure out how we can oper you know, operate together. Then after we Zoomed, I determined whether it would make sense for us to connect. That's just my thing. I, um, my, my blog posts appear on my website, which is also a blog, connect, the number two, collaborate.com. You can find it um, online. And then look for LinkedIn Nuggets, which is a tab on connect and collaborate. And you can subscribe to my blog and get it every business morning at 8 a.m. New York time. Uh, always something new. Might be some bad dad jokes in there. Might be some plays on words. Might be some God's honest truth coming at you that you probably won't read anywhere. People say, how in the hell do you get the nerve to write what you do? Well, I don't know. I earned this gray hair, the lack thereof. So uh, I, I say things pretty straightforward. I'm always trying to add value to what people are thinking. I, I, I run it. Uh, every Tuesday is a Back to Basics blog. Every Thursday it's my own thoughts blog, something that's a little deeper than normal for the other days of the week. And on Friday it's the best question of the week with my answer to how to solve that problem. So I, I have themes that run through the week. We, we cover a lot of ground. And then you subscribe. You can go back to any of my blog posts and by topic and see what, what's out there that you're interested in. So lots of ways to see what I'm writing, uh, what I'm doing. Um, Constantly on podcasts, uh, teaching for the New York State Bar Association two more times this year, teaching for Law Line, doing a lot of work uh, on, on public education for professional practitioners. So trying to get the word out there all the time. Okay, okay. So, uh, Mark, thank you for coming on um, this episode of the How Master View podcast. Now, I'd like to thank all of our listeners and viewers for lending us their ears and their eyeballs. But last... But not least, <laughs> yes, indeed. How may I serve you, Mark W. Halpert? You already did. You gave me the opportunity to talk about topics I don't normally talk about in podcasts. So okay. what I'm going to do is I'm going to add this on to my publications in my LinkedIn profile and post on it as soon as it's published and all that and get a little mileage out of it because I want people to know that I just don't talk about LinkedIn all the time. I can talk about things that have to do with things where you can use this amazing power tool in your life. But you've got to know how to use a power tool correctly, or it's not very good. Awesome. Okay, sounds good. So, everyone, thanks for coming on and listening and being amazing, amazing viewers, listeners. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you feel that this episode resonates or you find it beneficial, please share it with others. And take care, be blessed, and cheers, we're out.